heart and our soul and our mind. You are the one who illuminates the scriptures. That apart from your divine illumination, Lord, these words will just be words on paper or on a screen. But in and through you, Holy Spirit, these words are alive and they're active. And so, Lord, uh, Spirit of truth, lead us in all truth. Spirit of grace, lead us in all grace. Spirit of power, lead us and fill us with your power and your presence. Fill us, Father, fill us, Lord Jesus, as we open your holy word. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We are in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, which is exactly why I'm beginning in Acts 1.8. So listen to this. You will. Now you might, maybe, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That when the Holy Spirit and person and presence of God comes into us and fills us with his presence, you will witness for Jesus. You will proclaim Jesus from the rooftops. You just will. You will not be able to contain Jesus because you are so full of the Spirit that the words from the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak. So this week I was at the gym at the local rec center, and I was getting a lift in. You know, I'm just sitting there working out, and a couple of guys walked in. And I immediately heard the Spirit say, share with them. You know, because I was in there for something bigger than just bigger biceps, although my biceps are quite large, thank you. (laughs) So humble. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm not sure how I'm going to begin this, but I don't know about you, uh, how you just know, like when the Spirit is leading you to share, but my first instinct is fear. Okay, my first instinct, and I've had people say, oh, I wish I was as bold as you, Chris, and I'm going to tell you right up front that my first thought is, what am I going to say? But I just, I began talking with them. It was crazy. As I began to share Jesus with them, I I was more and more filled with the Holy Spirit, and more and more God was speaking through me, and there was like power in the moment, and there were scriptures that were coming out of me that I literally had not read in months. Like, God was speaking, and as I shared, it was God's sharing through me, and it was just this powerful Holy Spirit moment, and very much what we read last week in Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, for it will not be you speaking. It will not be you speaking. We spend so much time like, oh, what am I going to say? I don't want to mess it up. Here's the deal. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you ain't going to mess it up because it ain't you speaking. That's not your gospel. It is not your power that leads anybody to salvation. You are not the one who creates the seed or the water. You're just told to go out and sow it and pour it. So anyway, Holy Spirit speaking through you. You could literally feel the Lord moving in that rec center, and it just turned into a straight-up worship time. And I mean, I'm just loving Jesus and sharing with them and got to pray with them and, and invite them to church. And I was like, I don't know where you're at, and they maybe had grown up in church or whatever, but I was like, you are so loved by God. Like, here's the gospel. And by the time I was leaving, there was a guy right around the corner who where I was grabbing my keys. I was like, all right, Lord, another one. I'm like, okay, let's go. And, and he looked at me, and he goes, oh, my gosh, 
you, I mean, just, I could just feel God all over that. And you, you encouraged me to go share my faith. And there was another believer at the gym, and I was like, God, you were all over that. And this is exactly what we were talking about last week, that Jesus had literally given his disciples and his apostles authority. He had given his apostles power, that they were to go out and to proclaim the good news in power, in kingdom of heaven authority that when they spoke, it was God speaking through them. They were also empowered and given the authority to literally raise the dead and cast out demons, to literally do kingdom work. And as I studied that last week, and as I went into this this past week, I thought, you know what, Lord? I'm ready to be kingdom-oriented. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower. I'm a sent one. Fill me up and send me out into your mission. And that's exactly where we pick up in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. Jesus is in the middle of commissioning his apostles. This is their first mission. And they were ready, man. They were like, all right, let's go. And so Jesus, as he's telling them that they're going to go out and they're going to, they're going to proclaim and they're going to heal and they're going to do miracles, the Lord reminded them, hey, by the way, just in case you're thinking that there's going to be a ticker tape parade and everybody's going to be like, yay, there is going to be real adversity. And you're going to, you're going to face real conflict. In fact, there was a time coming when they would literally be brought before councils and they would be beaten. I mean, we're talking about literal hatred. We're talking about arrests and beatings and even death. That just sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? Because Jesus himself was, was hated and arrested and beaten and put to death. And we're just like our master. And that's where we concluded last week. And I was, I was woken up with this word this morning. Sometimes we believe that hardships and difficulties negate Somehow God's purposes or plans or goodness. I want you to hear this. Hardships and difficulties don't negate God's goodness or purpose in your life. Hardships don't negate God's purposes and plans for your life. What they do is they sharpen it. Difficulties and hardships sharpen the purpose and the plan that God has for you. It reminded me, this is the vision I got in my mind, was a number two Ticonderoga pencil. You know what I'm talking about? You know, come on, somebody, somebody knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? A pencil? Okay, here's the deal. You all have to participate in this thing. This is not a one-sided deal. I don't just yak at you. You guys got to talk. You all know what I'm talking about? Number two pencil? Very good. And I'm not talking like the high-end, like pre-sharpened pencil. I'm talking like the, the pack of 20, like you got to sharpen. You all remember the, the old sharpener? You got to like put it in there. It's like... I'm talking full manual. I, now, I don't know if you all know about this, students. You know about our pain. Because every now and then you get in that classroom that all it did was eat pencils and never actually sharpened it. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, that's what happens. See, hardships and difficulties, they're refining us, and they're bringing us to a point. And here's what's crazy, is God starts writing his story in and through you. He starts moving in power in your life. And that's exactly what he was doing in the lives of the apostles. He's like, look, there's going to be hardships, and there's going to be difficulties. It's going to refine you. It's going to bring you to a sharp point. The gospel is going to be written and proclaimed in and through you. So don't be afraid. Jesus wanted his disciples and apostles to not be afraid. And I want to tell you, there's a thick layer of fear running through our Christian faith. And that fear keeps us quiet. 
That fear keeps us bound. And Jesus has come to liberate us this morning. Listen to this, verse 26. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the people that are going to attack you or lash out against you or going to say all kinds of negative things. Rejoice. Don't be afraid, for there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. God knows it all. Don't be scared. Don't operate in fear. Verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Now, in first century Palestine, houses were built with flat roofs. Flat roofs. And so it was often the case where if somebody wanted to proclaim a message and there was a crowd gathered, they'd go stand up on the roof and they would proclaim a message. And so what Jesus is saying here is it's time for Christians to get up on the roof and start proclaiming the good news. And when I, re- I think about rooftop preachers, I start thinking about like street preachers, you know? You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? And we're like, oh, those people. You know what I'm talking about? Street preachers? You know, we like look at them like, oh my gosh, you know. And I will say that there are probably some street pe- preachers that are sent by the enemy. I'm just saying. But you know what? I think one of the reasons why we're kind of derogatory towards things like that is because deep down, we're not bold. We're not standing up and preaching Jesus. So the question is, where are all the rooftop preachers? Where are all the spirit-filled, rooftop-preaching, street-evangelizing, Jesus-sharing, gospel-proclaiming, good-news-declaring, salt-and-light-living, Great Commission Christians? Where are they? Whew, way too quiet. I'm I'm just going to read it nice and quiet, because apparently that was too much intensity. I'm going to take it down a notch. I'm just going to ask this as a simple question. Because this isn't radical Christianity. Where are all the spirit-filled, rooftop preaching, street evangelizing, Jesus sharing, gospel proclaiming, good news declaring, salt and light living, great great commission Christians? Okay. Where are those who are going to preach Jesus from the rooftops? I mean, this is literally what Jesus was talking about. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot by men. And what is Jesus saying is, what he's saying here is, is as Christians, if you stop living for kingdom purposes, you serve no kingdom good. You're called to be salt. You're called to bring the flavor of Jesus. You're called to stay off decay. And not only are you salt, but you are called the light of the world. Listen to this, verse 14. You are the light of the world. It's going to take Christians who read that and go, you who? You, me. I am. I am salt. I am light. That when Jesus is saying you, he means you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That'd be weird. Wouldn't that be weird? Light a lamp and cover it up? Who would do that? That's insanity. But instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't hide your light. Radiate, shine, proclaim the good news. 
Family, Christians, we are not called to mumble Jesus under our breaths. We are not called and commissioned to just go about mumbling the name of Jesus. No, we have literally been called to boldly proclaim. We have been called to stand up on rooftops and proclaim what he's whispered in our ears, to proclaim the good news. And I'll often have people say, well, that's just not my style, pastor. No, no, in fact, that's just not my personality. I, I share the good news without words. And I'm like, what? What does that even mean? And the neighbor's looking out, taking out the trash can, and they look out and they're like, the way they push that trash can. I know, I know. Just, oh, the lift of the lid. Just like a, a, a tomb. The tomb was opened, and, and well, there's trash in there, and Jesus has come to, to, to rescue me from that. And, and, and if I believe in Jesus, then I'll be saved. And just like Jesus raised from the grave, I'll be raised from the grave, all because my neighbor was such a good, God-fearing, faithful, trash-delivering Christian. Is the gospel proclaimed that way? See, when we say we proclaim the gospel without words, what we're really saying is we're not obeying. We're not obeying the Lord. And we, we have this, this idea of like, what if I say the wrong thing? How will they react? What if I do the wrong? Th what if I get laughed at? I think total honesty, what's keeping us from sharing Jesus is one, sin in our own life, and two, fear. I think the two things that are keeping us from sharing Jesus is sin in our own life, because when we're not dealing with the stuff in our own life, so we're like, I'm not going to share Jesus because Satan is just kicking our butts around the corner and back, just constantly bringing up and reminding, and we're sitting there like, yeah, I can't share Jesus because I'm, I'm just in such sin. Instead of bringing it to the light, just bring the sin to the light. Just like allow Jesus to forgive and to cleanse and to heal, and then start walking in kingdom purposes. And you confess the fear. I have a lot of fear. That is why... Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 6, 19. Listen to this. Did you know Paul had fear? Did you know that Paul the Apostle was anxious and fearful about sharing the gospel? That is why in Ephesians 6, 19, he says, Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He's praying for boldness. He's praying that God would take away the fear. So out of curiosity this morning, who here wants more boldness? Who here wants more boldness? Who here? Come on, raise those hands up. Yes! That should be celebrated. That should be celebrated. So you know what? You said you want to pray for more boldness? Let's put our hands out. We're going to pray right now. Come on, put those hands out. You're like you're going to receive a gift. And so, God, we are approaching you together. Uh, Paul asked for prayer, and we're asking for prayer. We're asking for prayer today for more boldness. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with your presence, that Jesus, you promised your spirit would come on us in power, and through that power, we will be your witnesses. And so, Holy Spirit, fill us fresh this morning. We are asking for boldness. We are asking for courage. We're asking for cleansing for our sins. We're asking that we would be set free from fear 
fear, from the bondage of fear, that we would be liberated to serve the kingdom. Fill us with your presence, Lord. In the bold name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because I see people, I see folks over here, they're like, oh, I'm, no, hey, I'm my whole life, I'm standing up. Fill me up, Lord. I want to be bold for Christ. I want to go out there and share the message of Jesus. I don't want to believe the lies anymore that somehow Christianity needs to be relegated to the church building, and then once we go out there, we kind of keep Jesus secret because we don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to tell nobody. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. No, dude, God loves you. God loves you so much he gave his son to die on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he's risen. Do you want to know God? Do you want to meet him as your personal Lord and Savior? Oh, Holy Spirit, give us that type of boldness. Verse 28 of Matthew 10, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body and hell. Like, yo, that's a strong verse, right? Like Jesus says some stuff and we're like, that's heavy. Now I quote here from Dr. Constable, he says this, Jesus was not implying that true believers might go to hell if they don't remain faithful to God. His point was that God has power over the disciple after he dies, whereas human adversaries can do nothing beyond killing the disciple's body, which is a, that's a bad thing, right? Being killed is a bad thing, right? But that's literally the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. They cannot touch your soul. And, and I love this moment between Jesus and Pilate, because Pilate thinks he's all bad. He's like, do you know who I am? Do you know how powerful I am? And Jesus is like, you're just a pawn. John 19, verses 8 through 11, this is so, so crazy. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back into the palace. He's at questioning Jesus, where do you come from? This is right before the cross. He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. No more talk. Okay, it's time for the cross. Do you refuse to speak to me, said Pilate? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? I've got the power. And Jesus is like this. I'll give you an answer. You would have no power over, if, uh, over me if it were not given to you from above. You have no power over me, Pilate. You don't take my life. I lay my life down. You have no authority or power over me, Satan. I have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, there are people that can lash out against the gospel, but they can't touch the soul. The worst thing that can happen to us is we die for the gospel. The best thing that can happen for us is that we die for the gospel. Do you know the celebration we'll receive when we enter into His, his eternal presence? Do you know the saints who are celebrated or who, those who give their blood for the life of Jesus, for the blood of the Lamb? They are the ones that lay their life down. They are martyred for the faith. And we'll walk into eternity like, yo, they lived it. They breathed it. They were willing to die for the sake of the gospel. I think it's fascinating how Jesus shifts here at this moment very graciously because on one hand, God is the almighty judge. On the other hand, God is our heavenly father who cares for every minute detail of our life. I love this. 
That's why I love just studying the scripture verse by verse, because you get these nuggets. You know, as you go through, have your highlighters out because God's speaking to you. Listen to this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I, I don't really know. I've never been sparrow shopping. I'm not really sure what sparrow rates are today, but based on gas prices, they're probably pretty high. Anyway, two little sparrows for a penny. Essentially, they're insignificant little creatures, but Jesus is like, they're not that insignificant. Listen to this. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Like God cares, our heavenly father cares for like the least in the the most insignificant little creatures that he's created. Like how much more so is he going to care for you? How much more so is your heavenly father going to take care of you? Listen to these encouraging words. In verse 30, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Like your mama loved you. My mom, she loved me. She loved me. She never counted the hairs on your head. I mean, maybe she did. But, you know, here's the thing. How much more so does your heavenly father love you? Knows the number of hairs on your head. How insignificant is that, a hair follicle? think about how insignificant a hair follicle is, but not one hair follicle falls from the top of your head apart from your father's notice. And what this tells us is that God is going to take care of us, and he's interested and he's involved. He wants to be involved in the most insignificant details of our life because they're not insignificant because he's our heavenly father and he loves us. And so that got me thinking about 15 bags of mulch, a trash can lid, and a row of seats. So I had all this mulch. Like, we were doing this fundraiser for Boy Scouts, and I, and I just want to be supportive, and I, I want to support our boys, and, and I, I want them to go to camp and all that. So we, like, loaded up hundreds of bags of mulch. And by the end of it, I had 15 bags of black mulch left over, and I was like, what am I going to do with it? Like, I already put as much mulch, like, total capacity in my flower beds. Like, there was no more room. Like, it was total maxed out. Like, as much mulch as you can fit in there. And I was like, what am I going to do with these 15 bags of mulch? And then I got all anxious about it. I'm like, I start knocking on people's doors. I'm like, do you need 15 bags of mulch? I have no idea why I'm asking you. You don't seem to be interested in mulch, but I'm just going to ask you. And then I was on Facebook, and I was like posting about it, and I was like, please, somebody take the mulch. And then I'm just sitting there having a random conversation with the guy, and I had just said, Father, I don't know what to do with this mulch. And this guy turns to me just randomly. He goes, you know, I need five bags of black mulch. And I was like, that's crazy, because I have 15. You got five. And the guy literally overheard it, and he goes, I'll take the other 10. I mean, it was just like that simple. So I shared that story with Christy Knox. She's, she's the one that like keeps us like totally on track. Business manager, like she's just awesome uh, uh, here at the church. So she was talking about a trash can lid because we have a trash can apparently out in the lobby that looks trashy. And so she was like, it needs a lid, but we couldn't find the lid. So she was online trying to find a lid, couldn't find a lid. She's over at the home store and she's walking around and there it was. It was glowing. It really was. And it was just the trash can lid because somehow the trash can got lost in inventory. All there was was the trash can lid, which was the exact make and model of our trash can. And, and they were like, we don't know why we have this, but here you go. We'll give it to you for $5. And she was like, thank you, Father. And then Barbara Brown overheard that, our children's pastor, and she goes, you know what's crazy? I was getting on a plane, and they had us seated all over the airplane, and I just simply prayed, Father, could you put us together? We got on, and all of a sudden, six seats opened up, and we all sat down. I'm like, the hair's on our head. 
See, Father cares about every minute detail of our life. He cares about 15 bags of mulch. He cares about a trash can lid. And he cares about a row of seats on an airplane. I mean, that's how intimately acquainted our Father is with us. Don't believe the lie that he only wants the big stuff. He wants all of it. He wants all of you including anxiety about 15 bags of mulch. You can literally bring everything to your father in prayer. So then Jesus now turns our attention back to the mission. Okay? Mission critical. Matthew 10, 32 through 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That's another one of those statements where you're like, yo. And here's what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that you, you as a believer are somehow going to be disowned to hell. That's not what he's referencing here. But what Jesus is telling us is that if we do not live a life of faithfulness, we're not going to be rewarded. We're just not going to be rewarded. Here, here's, here's the reality. When, when the faithful saints throughout all of history enter into his kingdom, there is going to be a procession that all of the saints will be presented before the Lord. And those who are faithful, check this out, the names are going to be proclaimed. The names are going to be proclaimed in this heavenly procession before a heavenly father. My servant Kelly was faithful. My servant Pat was faithful. My servant Kevin was faithful. My servant Aaron was faithful. And you know what? We could just go on and on. The names are going to go on and on. It's going to be like the greatest graduation ever. Because we're like graduating into eternal life. Like, And you know what you're going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servants. But here's the thing. Those who keep Jesus' secret in this life will enter into eternity and will just be there to watch. There will be no proclamation, no announcement. It is an entrance into eternity. Yes, the person has invited Jesus into their heart, but then living a life that keeps Jesus secret, that person should not expect to receive any reward at all from the Lord. I will often have people tell me, well, you know, I just, you know, my relationship with God, it's just between me and God, you know, I... It's a personal thing. My relationship with Jesus is a personal thing. And all I hear them saying is, I don't want to be rewarded. I don't want to live a life of faithfulness. I want to live a life that's about me, about my kingdom, not God's kingdom. To which the Lord will say, come on into eternity. There's nothing you have to present to me. Your life is winnowed away. You have an eternal life. I've given you that. And for eternity, you will be thankful, but you have nothing to present before the king. And I don't know about you, but when I enter into his presence, I want to be able to present him with things, good works, honoring works that bring him glory. 
if all we are living for is this life, we will enter into eternal life with no rewards. There will be no parade of faithfulness. And I'll tell you right now, let's kind of flip the script. Living a life of faithfulness on this earth means you ain't going to be celebrated here. You just won't. You know, and, and I'll hear people at times, they're talking about like how people aren't more excited for them. Like, I gave my life to Jesus! To which people are like, so what? I just got baptized! Who cares? I'm going on a mission trip this summer. I'm like, totally get it. Oh, you're going to go shove Jesus down other people's throats? No, no, no. Oh my gosh, I, I love Jesus! You sound like a loony. Because Jesus says this in verse 34 through 36, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. This is one of those statements where we stop and we're like, what is Jesus saying? Is he telling us to go beat people up with Bibles? Like, what is the... Like, what is Jesus referencing? What he's referencing is the fact that when you start loving Jesus, you start serving Jesus, the people who are in your world aren't going to love that about you. They're not going to celebrate that. They're not going to want to hear about your Jesus or see Jesus, but you still, you're just like sharing the love of God. You're like, Jesus loves you so much. And what it does is it actually instigates hatred in their hearts. Have you ever walked into a room when someone's sleeping and flipped on the lights? You know? And people are like, turn off the light! And they throw something at you. What do you think happens when Christians, really living, light, living a, light, a life of light, walk into a dark world? They're like, turn out the light! And they throw stuff at you. Because they don't want to see Jesus. They don't want to be confronted because the Holy Spirit is speaking to them through your presence, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But we're still called to be his salt and light. And here, here's what Jesus is saying. There's a real battle. Okay, there's a real spiritual battle. We have a real enemy named Satan. We have those who do not serve God. We have people who are Satan's servants. People are not going to like us specifically because we love Jesus. They're going to be yelling, turn off the light, turn off the light, and they start throwing. But you know what's crazy? Some of those people who are like, turn off the light, turn off the light, are the ones that are like, I need the light, and they're like drawn to it. Isn't that Paul? You all know the story of Paul the Apostle? He was like murdering, killing Christians, and he's on the road to Damascus, and a bright light broke into his darkness. And then all of a sudden, this one who was persecuting, murdering Christians became the one proclaiming the gospel and reaching the world with Jesus. It's profound stuff. Shine that light. So what? You get a few things thrown at you. So what? People make fun of you. So what? We're not living for this life. Listen to this. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter uh, more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. I just want to say here, three times Jesus said, are not worthy, are not worthy, are, are not worthy. Here's the thing, none of us are worthy. 
None of us are worthy of God's grace. None of us are worthy of his, his limitless affection and love. But here's the beautiful thing. He lavishes on us anyway. But every single day, we have an opportunity to take up our cross. That is our commitment to Jesus. And we have an opportunity every single day to put his kingdom before our own to put a relationship with Jesus before every other relationship on earth. That Jesus comes before, uh, a relationship with Jesus comes before our spouse. It comes before our children. Our relationship and our love for Jesus is, is greater than any other earthly relationship. And here's what's crazy. When you prioritize Jesus over your marriage, your marriage is going to get better. Why? Because you're prioritizing the kingdom and the kingdom of God breaks into your marriage. When you prioritize Jesus over your children, your parenting gets better. Why? Because the kingdom of God breaks into your parenting and as you raise your children. The kingdom of God breaks into these relationships and you start living more kingdom-oriented, a life that puts Jesus first. It's a risky life, but it's a good one. I want to say here just a, a little note. William Barclay writes this. This is so good. The Christian may have to sacrifice his personal ambitions, the ease and the comfort that he may have enjoyed, the career that he might have achieved. He may also have to lay aside his dreams to realize that shining things of which he caught a glimpse are not for him. He'll certainly have to sacrifice his will, for no Christian can ever do what he likes. He must do what Christ likes. It is a complete changing of wills. Boy, doesn't that just run up against our American idea of retirement? Oh, I can't wait till I retire. All about me, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Ease and comfort. I get to do the things I've always wanted to do. I get to be about me. And here's the thing. For Christians, retirement, it is an entrance into the kingdom of God work. It is more time, more energy, more effort. How can I serve the kingdom? How can I be of service to Christ? What can I undertake? How can I leverage? Christians never retire. There's never a retirement party. There's never a point where we're just done until we enter into his presence. Amen? Amen. And so at this moment, Jesus had given his apostles the essentials, and he was sending them out right before they headed out. Jesus said, hey, by the way, it's not going to be all bad. See, people are going to love you too. You know, and there are people who are going to bless you too. There are people who, who will be blessed by you. I can't tell you how many times where I'll be having a conversation with somebody, and I just start sharing the love, and they start sharing the love, and we just start sharing the love together, and it's such a blessing. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, verse 40. Verse 41, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Family, let's be a church that honors and celebrates kingdom servants. It is the most admirable thing to commit oneself to kingdom work. 
I pray that God will raise up from within our church, and I see this. I, I really do. I see God. He's, he's going to be raising up pastors, and he's going to be raising up missionaries and worship leaders and evangelists. God is going to be raising up kingdom workers from within our church. You know what the Lord said to me this week? And he just kept saying it over and over and over. Get ready. I'm bringing people. Get ready. I'm bringing people. And I was like, Lord, is this really from you? Get ready. I'm bringing people. And he told me to tell you, get ready. He's bringing people. He is bringing people to himself. Yeah, we should celebrate that. So who do you think are the workers? The servants. Whoo! It's a heavy, like the thought, okay, Lord, we'll be about your kingdom. Because we want other people to know Jesus too. We want other people to experience a real life relationship with the Father. We want others to experience a fullness of Holy Spirit. More, Lord. And as, as I think about this, I, I just want to say this. Let's honor those who shepherd us. I'm going to tell you right now, pastoral ministry can be a dry desert. And I, and I have heard people who will come here from other churches, and they just trash their pastors. I want to tell you, if you have a beef with your previous pastor, go back. Go back and repent. Repent of the sin and ask them for forgiveness and go make a living amends. Because what you are carrying with you is sin. Resentment towards the Lord's worker. And, you, and I, hear, I hear people just tearing apart like, oh, oh, this guy. And yeah, there probably are some servants out there that aren't doing the greatest job in the world. But I'll tell you right now, that's not your job to judge their heart. It just isn't. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got an issue with a previous pastor or shepherd or church, go make that right. Go make that right. And I want to encourage you that here in this church, honor your shepherds, honor your leaders, honor pastors, because it is an admirable work. One guy told me <clears throat> in a very public, uh, public gathering, he said, I am going to stay here, and I am going to be a thorn in your side. He proclaimed it over the church, said it right to me. And I, and I stood there, and I was thinking to myself, that is a crazy thing, because I know that's not from the Lord. And you know what? God plucked that thorn right up out of here that next week. I mean, this is how God does it. Give that cup of cold water. And no, this is it's not just like, please praise me, or please, you know, show up at my office. But here's the thing I want to say to you. A note, an email, talk to your teachers. You have great teachers here. And do you know how much they study and prepare every week? Students, did you know that Greg Payne dedicated his, his whole life, his heart is kingdom service, and he, he doesn't get paid for what he does. He prepares and he serves and he loves you and he disciples you and all of your volunteers in student ministry do it because they love you. Say thank you. Encourage them. All of the teachers here, A kind note, an email, an encouragement, a little cup of water goes a long way. And I just want to encourage you, hand out cups of water and not cups of gravel. Amen? <laughs> All right. Okay, some take-homes. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to take with you. Preach Jesus from the rooftops. We prayed for boldness. Let's start walking out on that water of faith. 
All right? Uh, secondly, your heavenly Father cares for the smallest details of your life. Bring him those bags of mulch. Bring him the trash can lids. Bring him the airplane seats. He cares. Don't keep Jesus secret. Don't keep him secret. Share Jesus. Uh, Jesus comes first. His kingdom before our own. And then finally, be a blessing to those who are committed to kingdom work. But I, I do want to say this this morning. You can't give away what you don't have. You just can't. You can't give away a Jesus you don't have. You can't walk in a Holy Spirit that's not in you. You know, you, you can't just like have a relationship with God on your own terms. It comes at a willingness to surrender and to invite God all the way into your life. And so this morning, if you do not have Jesus in your life, it's May 22nd, 2022. My encouragement is make today the day where you surrender your life to Jesus. And you invite him all the way into your life. If you're here and you're just like, you know, I, I, I don't really live for Jesus. Today's a great day for surrender. Because that's where the life really begins. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you for the study. We thank you for your scriptures. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move here in this place. That you would move in power. Draw. Lord, draw people's hearts to you. If today you're, you're saying, yes, I want to invite Jesus into my life, I want to receive him as my personal Savior, I want you to raise your hand up so we can pray together. I see your hand. You want to invite Jesus into your heart, into your life? Awesome. I see your hand. You're saying, yes, Lord, come into my life. Jesus, save me. Yes, I see your hand. And so I want you to pray, you who have raised your hands, Lord Jesus, let's pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were buried, and I believe you have risen. Please, Jesus, save my life. Forgive me for my sins. Fill me with your presence. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the testimony of these, of these who have professed you. Lord, you are so pleased with them. You are so honored. There is a celebration in heaven for you, for those who have invited Jesus into your life. The angels in heaven are celebrating. We are celebrating and rejoicing. <laughs> Glory. Glory be to God. And so if you have invited Jesus into your life, please stand up. Please stand up this morning. Amen. 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 More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. You are so loved. All right, if you need prayer, and I recognize uh, all, we all have stuff going on during our day, but we're going to stop and have some prayer this morning or this afternoon. Actually, it's afternoon. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, I mean anything, you need prayer for healing. You need prayer for your marriage. You need prayer for anything. I'm going to ask our elders to come on down, our shepherds. I'm going to ask Ron Jordan, come on down. Yes. Thank you, Gina. Pat, come on down. Mary, come on down. And we're going to sing together, and we're going to pray together, and then we're going to go out into the world in peace.
you need prayer for anything, come on down. Thank you.
a work of reconciliation. See, many of us don't realize your daddy in heaven is so proud of you. And he loves you with a love that is beyond your ability to grasp. And your daddy is pleased. And he wants nothing more than a real relationship with you, like intimate. 